Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Black Queen's Republic. Today, uh, my guest is joining me again for part two of um, the other episode. What was it called? Your Daily Dose of Black Hate. Um, I changed the name because it was a bit frightening to some people. Uh, so we're, we're talking about we're talking about immigration today. Uh, I'm excited because we are immigrants, so we have a lot of experience in this area. I'm a, I'm an, I'm. I don't think I'm any generation immigrant. I was born in Uganda, and Asha is born in Canada. So we're yeah. gonna talk from that perspective. But before we do all that, how are you, Asha? I'm good. I uh, just got back from a walk. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people outside. If you go in the evening, there is a lot of people. I usually try to go around like 6, 7 a.m. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to start doing mornings too because I, I there's too many people. Like even 9 a.m. or 8, there's still not that many. You'll see like seniors, but there's not that many. I don't know about your area, but there's not a lot of seniors in my area. Mm. So you'll see do like... You have, like uh, do you live near <coughs> like nature, like trees and like like uh a pond or something because i live near uh i wish i'm in the ghetto i don't (laughs) we we have like a lot of just a lot of junk food all over the place because you know white people want us to die but yeah that's the only they just built a harvey's over there like i like i was walking no, we, we have, like, a bunch of apartments. It's, like, the, how you see, like, the projects, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the suburb area of close to the projects, but I'm still, I'm still, you know, in the ghetto. <laughs> mm-hmm. Until God will bless me someday, and then I'll live among the suburbia, where there's ponds and lakes and rivers. Well, it's, for me, I live near, like, a big road. But mm-hmm. in like the back area, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like trees. It's like a creek kind of. Mm-hmm. Not too, I'm kind of close to a pond. It's not too far from my house actually. And yeah. so a lot of people are walking oh, in and around that area. I um, don't like that. Luckily for me, you know, it's pretty spaced out. So you can literally change your, you can change your route. That's the good mm. thing. Like, if people are overly on one side of the street, you can literally go any other way. Um, Not me. Today, I came too close to a lot of people. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. No, no, no. That's And when I see someone coming, like, a mile away, I'm like, ooh, cross the road. Cross the road. Because I'm not messing with my immune system. Mm-mm. Not today. Not today, Karen. You're not coming close to me. Um, But I'm good. I'm just, like, on my period. So... I feel like absolute trash, uh, but you know, I'm still employed. God is good. Um, I'm still working, and you know, I'm I'm grateful for that. I have I I cannot imagine you guys who have kids or who have people around you all day. I would have to die. So I'm also thankful that I live by myself and. I have my own space. It's great. Yeah, but don't you get lonely sometimes? I feel like I'm being too lonely because I live with like four other people. I do. Um, my family. I, I go in and out of loneliness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I do have moments where I'm like, wow, like 
it would be nice <laughs> if I had somebody to talk to right now, especially because I'm awake throughout the night. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I can't call people at 3 a.m. They're sleeping. Um, so, or so you think. Uh, you'll be shocked at how many people are probably awake at 3 a.m. now. You know, so it's it's lonely in that sense, like at night when I can't text anybody. I can't, I can't uh, call anyone. So I think during the night, I'm just kind of like, but in, when the day comes, I'm like talking to people. I'm texting I call my friends, um, but I'm also like, I'm like a deep introvert. I've always been like a loner um, for like a long time, especially like from bullying. I've always kind of been on my own, just in my own little tiny corner, which is very comfortable. The only thing I hate about this is the fact that I cannot do my hair. Like I used to do my hair like every three weeks. You know, mm. getting new color every month. You know, so ah, it's 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 hard. That's the toughest part. Cause my hair, when I do my hair, that's when I feel the most amazing. So for me, it's my at least once a once a month I have to do a pedicure. Mm. Um, so not having a pedicure, my feet are looking all kinds of nasty. Um, oh yes, and I've like scratched up all my bed sheets. It's time to do an Amazon order of, of new sheets. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I bought like the Petty Perfect thing, and mm. I was like trying to do it myself. I can't even bend that far. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I thought I was gonna wait too, but this is too long. It's too much. It's too much, man. Um, Doug Ford is killing me. White people are pissing me off. Um, they just up to their shenanigans again. Mm. Um, so before we get into, before we get into the topic, we are going to talk about, you know, the foolishness that happened this week. Of course, you guessed it. It was the whites. Um, they fucked up again. Let's see. Um, so Amy Cooper is a New Yorker. She works in insurance. She was walking her dog at Central Park when a black man asked her to put her dog on a leash. You know, that's a normal request. Um, and she became agitated. She started yelling at him. She can be heard on a tape saying, oh, I'm going to tell the police you're an African-American man and stop recording me. And then she she calls 911. She's literally strangling her dog. Like, you can literally see the dog, like, struggling for life. And oh. then she's like, there's an African-American... You know, white women have this thing where they can, like, literally cry on cue. Like, just like that. And the tears are there. The hysteria is there. And, um... She knew what she was doing because she mentions he's African-American more than once. Um, um, while then she at one point, she like tries to strangle her dog to to sort of play out this scene, you know, to to make the police come. Luckily, the police when the police got there, no one was there. But can you imagine had the police got there? They would yeah. have killed him. Definitely. And, and, and that is what she wanted. 
And I cannot wrap my head around you went to a park and because you didn't like the fact that a black man was at the park, you wanted him to be killed. You wanted what? Where did she even like? I just don't I fucking just understand. Understand. Oh my god! Like they can't. Some people like, how dare you? How are you in my neighborhood? She's one of those separatist people. Like she, she's trying to live away from black people and ethnic people. And but she's not rich enough to afford areas, white areas, predominantly white areas. And when they see us in their areas, they're triggered. <laughs> But you're not even like you're in New York. You want to only see white people move to like the red states move move to Russia Trust me if you move, go to Russia move to Europe. <laughs> yeah Trust me, bitch. If you go to Russia, you will not you will probably never see a white per a black person You'll be fine. What the fuck like the fact that these bitches know that when they do call the police that black people will die and that is your fucking intention is it, it's like i cannot i am tired i am yeah. sick and tired you feel like we black people don't deserve life i can't and like she's angry that she didn't she she wants to get her way like how do you talk to me like it's ridiculous mm -hmm. like you're in a public park your a dog fucking public park. should be on a leash and he asked you to do it's not like he literally i just sometimes i actually feel bad because i mean i keep dragging people dragging white people every single day i can't go one day without y'all doing something in the news calling the police on somebody doing some dumb shit posting some stupid shit ah <sighs> uh, i don't know anyways Amy has since been put on quote-unquote administrative leave. Um, and she sure. did an interview with CNN yesterday, this morning, uh, where she complains that she her life has been destroyed and she's not racist. She's like, what do you expect me to do? I was in the woods and I was scared. You dumb bitch. If you're scared, don't go to the woods. If I'm scared of like being near people, I'm not gonna go to a forest and be around people in the forest. Black people are everywhere and they're here to stay. Cooper. Jane, do you know where she uh, works? Um, I can find it. They mentioned it on on and actually yes. Yeah, so her Is work it a company. Yes. I think the company uh, they have to fire her. It's not well, everybody was tagging um, the. It's called Franklin Templeton. Templeton. Um, they yeah. actually pinned a tweet, and they said, following the internal review of the incident yesterday, we have made the decision to terminate the employee involved effective immediately. We do not tolerate racism. You're lying, but okay. We do not tolerate <laughs> racism of any kind at Franklin Templeton. Mm hmm. Mm. I hope that this. I hope this is just just the beginning of all the terrible things that are about to happen to you. You stupid! I, I hope karma comes and bites her heart. I cannot she believe really wanted it. Him to die. She did. That's the thing that is crazy. Is that you bitches call the police on black men 
so they can die because you know what is going to happen you know what you're do they know exactly what they're doing this they was <sighs> i always go back to this tamir rice i think was 12 years old in the 911 call she fully says i think it's a toy gun i think they're playing the police come so and exact exact <laughs> why did you fucking call the police if you can even say i think it's a toy gun I can't. No. I cannot. And the police get there and they shoot a 12-year-old boy. I I don't know. But yeah, fuck Amy Cooper. That's that's on that. Um the other thing I want to talk about so there's this girl on TikTok. Um Oh, TikTok. All the racistness in TikTok. <laughs> Yikes. So, so there's been a few racist incidents, but this morning I came across a TikTok of a white girl. Um, I wish I could find it. I, I like, I saw it and I was immediately pissed off. So I probably deleted it. Anyways, this girl is in the video like you know those tiktoks where they're talking about like oh i healed from this or whatever so the video uh, starts out and she's like oh yeah um i was married for seven years and and so he left me and whatever and now i'm good i have six thousand dollars in my bank account no and i have a man who invests invests in me and loves me or blah 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 like whatever i'll i'll address that part later but in uh, in the video, the instrumental, like there's a nig nigga is mentioned, so it's like, uh, like I think the person says, "I'm good without you, nigga, nigga." You can like you know, nigga, your whack. This is a pasty white girl. Yeah. Saying nigga. In the song. And I cannot understand for the life of me, why you people find it, especially you white women who like. You think because you're getting dicked down by a black man that you, you get some sort of pass or right. I don't care how many black dicks go in your mouth. You can't say nigga. <laughs> what is wrong That's with you true. people? God. Eat all this, every single black dick you want. I don't care. But that doesn't give you, you can't do whatever. That doesn't give you any right to talk like you can't you cannot say like what is so hard what is so difficult about that uh, let me tell you it's Ugh. like a trend to be racist on tiktok jesus christ i cannot it's crazy what they do on tiktok i don't There's have so that app i refuse to download it i refuse yeah you know what's crazy about tiktok is that um they're so quick to take down nudity. They're so quick to take down um, profanities. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to uh, racism and inciting violence, mm -hmm. they are like, they're like, I don't see it. It's okay. Of course, because it's, it's being done by white people. Like, 
I just, I, what is with white people being upset? This, and by the way, guys, in the video, she's, she's brushing her, 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 her non-existent baby hairs. <laughs> they're not baby hairs if they're up to your fucking breast, ma'am. Oh Mom, she was brushing. I'm like, bitch, what are you brushing? Are you people are that obsessed with 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 blackness? We are just so cool, Jane. Y'all, y'all need you know. Uh, and then people in the comments, you stupid ass, Lily. Anyway, then people in the comments were like, it's just a song. It's just a shot. Your whore mouth. The fact that you even have to call it the n-word means you can't s like i just uh. and then the thing is that i hate when other people especially black people themselves are like they try to blame the artist like we shouldn't even be saying it in our songs and i'm like listen what becky and karen do it's not my business okay literally like, why should we have to babysit them also they like what the fuck like you don't have to record yourself doing that shit. This bitch could have just not. You could have used any other. You could have just been in the background and not even said anything during the song. You guys are. I think they do it because they know now that like people are going to be outraged. I think they do it for clout. It, it has to be. You have to be sick. And let me just say this again. I do not give a shit how many mixed children you have. I don't give a fuck about how many dicks go in your mouth that are black. Or how many black friends you have. Or how many... I don't give a fuck how many World Vision donations you have made. You have no right to say the N-word. You will never have the right. For the simple fact is, you are white. Eh? Have I And just because a random black person said you can say it does not mean that you can say it. You can't. That's another thing. You, I don't care who gave you the pass. And I know, yeah, I know those guys that you, you're probably getting dicked down by. Because black men have always been disappointing. They disappoint us. That's fine. I, I know they probably tell you you can say you can have a pass, a.k.a. Daniel Caesar. I don't give a shit. Right? You have no right. To say it, I, the women, the white women that are the most irritating are the ones who are like, "But I have black." I don't give a shit about how many black children you have. You are white. <laughs> I don't understand why that is hard. You are a white person. You cannot say the n word. You cannot. <sighs> anyway, I'm tired. I'm. Uh... It's it's ridiculous. I don't I don't know what it's gonna take to tell make white people do better. I just can't. I can't. Um. Anyway, I don't. I just understand ask, that. I don't ask them to do good. I don't ask them to do anything. I just want them to stop. <laughs> stop affecting us. Um. <laughs> the thing is, I I get. Because I'm a black person, I understand our culture is lit. The food is. is lit. Black people can turn anything around. Like um a good like you can put black people in an area and you give them nothing, they will build, you know? Yeah. Um 
so black people and then you know we, we're just i don't even know what to say but we are a people that even for me i'm amazed every time at how amazing black people are uh-huh. to be not only surviving but thriving in a world that has made it its point to oppress and make uh-huh. our lives a living hell and we've still come out victorious you know everybody's trying to be like us mm-hmm. even though we are told we're not shit that's we're why you have karen on tiktok brushing edges that she doesn't even have <laughs> it's crazy but then you have the disappointing blacks of course like yeah. doja cat so doja cat has always been anti-black uh this is not new uh i i watched her live video this morning it was weird like she was she was like hi i don't know what was i don't know if i don't know if doja She's definitely hi I feel she's probably hot. She's always hot. <laughs> she it has to be high on like sniffing paraffin or petroleum. It can't just be weed because I feel like weed does not make you that person. Um she so she's talented. I I heard a few of her. I didn't know about Doja Cat until last year when she was being dragged on a podcast that I listened to for being homophobic. And then that song uh I'm a cow or something like that. Oh my god. Uh which I kind of like it was kind of a bop. I was like, "Okay, girl, like this is this is such a ridiculously great song. I love it." Um, ridiculous being the the big word of it all. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous, but you know, when I went on her Instagram, watched a few of her videos, she's she's talented. I'll give her that. She's a talented artist. Now, Doja Cat has when I went and looked at her, she's 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 had a a habit of constantly every time she's criticized, she talks about the fact that her father left her. um almost excusing you know her her hate for black people anytime she's criticized for for anti-blackness um uh, she she goes oh well my father left me and blah 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 apparently a lot of people want to raise with their father so literally do you know 68% of us don't have fathers in our lives did you know I that mean- doja 68% of black families do not have fathers. In fact, it's abnormal to come oh, so you mean you live with both your wow. It's always like shocking when I'm like, oh, so you just like grew up in a two parent home where everybody was like like the dad and the mom were getting along. Wow, that's so cool. Cuz I, I I have no idea what that's like. Everyone are, most people that are around me don't even know what that's like. Oh. It's almost like I feel like a tourist when I meet these people. 
So you're not saying anything new, Doja. Most black people, especially where you're from in America, don't have fathers in their lives. And I don't see them being anti-black. Like, so anyways, she, I don't even know how this whole thing started. I think, uh, so Lana Karen Del Rey, um, Full name. <laughs> Lana Del Rey uh, got in, got, she got her ass lit up because she, you know, anytime white women see too much, too much niggers, too much niggerness going on, mm. they, they get uncomfortable. They're like, how, how, this is too niggery for me. So that's what happened with with uh, Lena Del Rey. She was like, she's always made this like suicidal teen cut yourself music. Now it's not for me, right? I can respect the fact that there there's an audience for that, not me. But I I I okay great. For the longest time, I can remember. The only type of feminism that we celebrate is fragility. The fragile, the, you know, oh, the, the pretty little woman, oh, the, the, the nice soft white woman, oh my God. Lana did a statement saying that she cannot wait for the third wave of feminism. I'm like, bitch, we are in the third wave, you, you, you dumbass, first of all. Wait, I didn't, I didn't think she was a feminist. She said we need to make room for fragility in feminism. But that's all feminism has been projected to be. We actually chastise women, especially black women, for any time we were loud, were too aggressive, were this, were that. Because we celebrate a fragile woman. That is all we celebrate. We don't celebrate anything else. So I don't know what you're talking about. We've never celebrated fragility. And just so you know, you dumbass, the third wave already started. We're in it. Um, She insists she's not racist, but then you came for all these black women in your post. And for no reason, like Beyonce didn't send for you. Keep her name out of your mouth. Like, so this whole Doja Cat thing started from there and apparently Doja Cat was on a thing called Tiny Chat where she stripped for white supremacists and then she she said something about they, at one point in the video she goes do you want to put a beer bong in my asshole and pour beer I can't believe that but yeah I actually saw that clip I was like, she was being all kinds of, I was, okay. All right. Doja, I don't even have much to say about Doja Cat, but I honestly, I wish you would just stop making the apologies. Just stand up in your, in your, in your anti-blackness. Just be like, honestly, I hate y'all. I don't, I don't like you guys. Sorry. And I like white dick. Just say that. Just say yeah. that. And then we won't, people won't bother. They'll, they'll still drag you, but at least they'll drag you over off of something that you're being truthful about. So. I mean, at this point, 
like majority of her fans are probably white people. So I feel like they won't even care. They don't care. Right. Or or black men. I feel like, no, black men are butthurt that they don't, <laughs> she's not attracted to me. So oh, black yeah. men but her that tiny chat thing was sickening for me to watch sorry guys i'm eating a donut because i'm oh, what kind? glazed from krispy kreme oh so lucky yeah i, I wish i was downtown today so i got me krispy kreme anyways that's it for the white women. I'm not even going to go into depth about Lana Del Rey. Lana, you are stupid. You're daft. Um, you're a very big idiot. Hmm? First of all, you've never. It shows that you've clearly never read about feminism because if you did, you wouldn't be talking about fragility and all that bullshit. She's basically throwing the other girls under the bus. And and she's lying. Because. Beyonce got. Beyonce got called anti-feminist because she attracts, she, she's too sexy. A, a white woman wrote a whole article after Beyonce did the formation uh, performance at the Super Bowl. Um, in, in It wasn't because she was sexy, Jim. No, she, the woman said, in the article, she keeps saying that, how can you call yourself a feminist if, if men are so... If you turn men on all the time and you're always so sexy and the typical woman doesn't look like you, it's not her fault. It was I know like I know it's because like they didn't like that. How dare you stand up for your own community? But if you read that article, she yeah. mentions the fact that because you overly attract men to you, then you're not a feminist. Have Have you lost your damn mind? <laughs> I, I seriously don't you people have to be mentally ill because it doesn't make sense for you know and then at, at in this statement lana delray so lana delray's father is a bit is a millionaire by the way she's this rich white kid oh the poor white girl the poor rich mm-hmm. white girl mm-hmm. how come no one understands her yeah her music that talks about Domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm Domestic violence. She's never even probably. I don't know. I'm. I'm not. I don't know if she's ever experienced it because she. She's. She's lying too much. She's talking about a movement that she clearly has never read about. Um. So she's at one point. She's like, oh, I tried to tell people that I was broke, but they don't believe me. You know, you guys always say I'm lying because I'm this rich white girl. I'm like, but you are. That's the truth. You can't be okay. talking about you are broke when you live in Manhattan. Shut up. Like, seriously. So, Lana, I wish you would just shut the fuck up. I'm sick and tired of your apologies. Just stop. You make 17... 17- she apologize? She apologized, like, she, not apologized, she's made, like, 17 videos to justify. The final one was today where she's like, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I just feel like I just have to address this one more time. After writing two other things where she said this will be the first and last time she'll be addressing them. 
like you're just shut up we don't care you are trash you're a trash human being and just yeah i have nothing else to say about that you're clearly racist you were mad that you know too too many black women and and you're lying black beyonce cardi b nikki they all get criticized for what they sing about Nicki Minaj has had a whole backlash about the magazine cover that she did. Like, these women are criticized. When black women are sexy, when they talk about sex, they're criticized all the time. Yeah. You're literally lying. So shut, shut your whore mouth. Shut up. Okay. That's it for white nonsense. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back next week with more. Uh-huh. So, um, we're talking about immigration today. Uh, tell me a little bit about, are you, I know you were born in Canada, but tell the viewers, like, where you're actually, like, from, like, your family. Okay, so I was born, like you said, I was born in Canada, Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I was born uh, in Etobicoke. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, so I really haven't left in. <laughs> mm. uh, and... My family, my mom and my dad, uh, came to Canada from Somalia. Um, they came to Canada in 1988. Oh, wow. Um, so a little bit before um, the Civil War happened, mm -hmm. um, which was in 1991. Mm -hmm. So that's when civil unrest happened in Somalia. Mm -hmm. My family saw the signs. And they were like, oh, we better get out of here. Mm. Uh, yeah, at the time, um, my mom was living in Somalia. Mm. Uh, originally, she was born in, she lived most of her life in Kenya. Mm -hmm. She is ethnically Somali, but her mom came when she was, her mom came and then had her in, in Kenya and my mom has lived there. My mom speaks really good English, so she was working with the UN. She mm -hmm. was translating. Mm -hmm. She originally was in Hargeisa, which is a city in in Somalia. Mm -hmm. And well, Somaliland now. They're anyway. It's a long story, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Now, now known as Somaliland. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, yeah, she, she was translating, so she lived there, and that's where she met my dad. Oh, my dad okay. is originally from Mogadishu, the capital, mm -hmm. but he was working there. Mm -hmm. So they met, they got married. Mm -hmm. So Somalia, we had um, a president called Tiapere. Yeah. And he was doing, I would like to describe it as uh, ethnic cleansing of my mom's tribe. He was like outwardly killing his own people from a certain tribe. Wow. Mm -hmm. So um, it got so bad that even my mom got arrested there. So my parents were like, "Oh, we better get out of here because mm -hmm. they saw, like, before it even got like all of Somalia, they were already experiencing issues." Right. So yeah, they just wanted to leave because there was unrest, and they came to Canada. Well. Actually, my mom was pregnant with my old sister. Her whole journey to come to Canada, she was pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. And she didn't know the whole time she was scared. She's like, I don't know when I'm going to give birth. Like, she could have given birth on the plane. Luckily, when she finally got to Quebec, mm-hmm. she gave birth. Yeah, she was going through a lot of stress. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, a lot of issues. Um, she got robbed in New York. Like, it was a whole ass mess. But um, they made they made it here. Yeah, they made it here. And my mom thought, oh, thank God we made it here. We can rest. We yeah. can we can chill. We've made it. Little right. did she know, a lot of more issues would happen. Uh, oh, yeah. Just with the fact that, you know, I think my family, my mom and my dad were traumatized. I don't know exactly what they saw. And then there was a cultural barrier. Because I would say my parents were lucky because they knew English. I know a lot of other people, they, their parents didn't know English when they were coming, and that makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. There was a huge cultural barrier. And I remember my mom came, when they came to Canada, they came to Quebec first. And when they came to Quebec, mm-hmm. it was during the time, I, I don't know if you remember, in the 80s, um, Quebec was trying to break off from Canada. They've been do, trying to do that for a long time. Yeah, but in the 80s, it was really bad. Like, they really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, at the time, they were not even, they didn't want to speak English even. So, my mom didn't know uh, even a little bit of French. And mm-hmm. she's a pregnant woman, and they made her sit there, and they wouldn't see her because she didn't speak French. Mm-hmm. And only after uh, my mom got angry, <laughs> And started like making a commotion. They finally see see her because that's how the Canadian way. Mm-hmm. I always say it's the Canadian way. So like they're racist towards you, and then when you scream about it and you make a big fuss about it, they say, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and they do mm-hmm. it for you. So that's what happened. Mm. Wow. Um. That's a lot. <laughs> I moved to Canada. 16 or 17, 15 to 16 years ago. Um, not under the best circumstances. My mom moved to Canada because I had a violent, grew up with a violent father. Um, and just about a year after she had been in a coma and just like he had, you know, this was like the last the last straw and she was actually she was gonna lose her life right Mm. she decided okay i need to get away from this man so that's how she left it was i remember it was like night time it was like august of the year 2000 Mm. and she's like you know she snuck out and and left and got you know we escorted her to the airport and then I didn't see my mother for another four years, you know? And uh, I mean, I understood because literally the year before that, my, my mom was in a coma for weeks and then had to learn how to walk again and do all those types. It was, my dad really did a number on her. So when she finally managed to get out of the hospital, I think she realized that, oh, you know what? This guy could kill me. Uh. And uh, um, unfortunately, my mom is not alive anymore. 
but uh, she moved here August of the year 2000 and I, we joined her around four years later. Um, I was 13. Um, I always imagined Canada to be, not even Canada, because I didn't even know Canada existed until my mother moved here. Um, I knew that like we, my, my, my grandmother's husband was an ambassador here. And so that helped with, you know, kind of us, my mom knowing like what Canada was. Cause she'd been here before when my, my, my grandmother's husband was, uh, the ambassador. So she'd lived yeah. here before and she'd kind of seen what it was like. And so when, when she was asked by the embassy where she wanted to go, she said, okay, I want to move to Canada. Um, when I always, when I was in Uganda, I always pictured the Western world to be this ideal place, you know, because yeah. that's what you see in the movies. You know, you see, I remember watching like, the movie I can think of. I don't know if you remember Richie Rich or if you're too young to remember it, but. Yeah, yeah. I used to love that movie. Yeah. Richie Rich was like, oh my God. Wow. You know, look how these people are just doing well. Ooh, yes. Like, you know. That was my yeah. point of reference. Um, when I moved to Canada, I was, I was, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Expecting to have this nice life. And I couldn't believe I was finally not only reunited with my mom, but I was in this country that I had seen in the movies. You know, it felt like a dream come true. I was mm. sad, of course, to leave Uganda and like the only life I ever knew but uh, the only white people I'd ever met at that time were like my aunt, um, my aunt married a white guy. That's the only white man I had had ever interacted with, like in my, and of course the kids I went to school with, but that was about it. Yeah. But I came here, uh, <laughs> went to, uh, was in grade seven. And the moment I moved here, so when you move to Canada, they make you do a test, right? If you're a child, they make you do yeah. a test so that you can see where they can see where to place you. So I, I was placed grade seven because that that was where that's the grade I was in when I left Uganda. Uh. Um, when I got to school, they put me in ESL, everything. And so I was like, I didn't, of course, I didn't know what ESL was, right? So I gladly yeah. went and joined I, can I just say, it was fun. Every time you did something, they would give you a chocolate chip cookie. It was the best. You know, they would give you treats. They would give you, like, like if you were the first to finish, they would be like, okay, you get a treat, you get a treat, you get a treat. Like, it was the most amazing thing. Like, it was so easy. I will never forget the time um, the teacher said, spell advantage. And everybody yeah. was like, uh, dear, oh, my God. And then I put up my hand and I was like, A-D-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, like, you know, and the teacher was like, wow, oh, my God. So then when I would hand in my work, he was, he would be like, why are you in ESL? Your English is so good. You're... And then I was like, I don't even know what that is. But then he's like, eh, whatever, you know. So I take my grades back to my mom, 100% everything, except for gym. 
<laughs> except for Jim so I take back my grades and I'm, my mom sees 100% and she's like uh uh this no this doesn't seem right <laughs> why, why are you performing so well it's only for her to read in detail um, that I was in ESL she goes to the school and she's like why did you put my child in ESL and by this time it's like grade 8 right wow um she's like why and then they're like oh because she's she's new to the country and she's like but i gave you her immigration test she passed and so she cussed them out and she's like just because my child is black you put her in esl you assumed africa esl hmm? yeah and the woman was like you could just see her like shaking so that was my first introduction to like welcome <laughs> to Canada doesn't matter whether you speak English or not we we you know Canada is, is funny in that we there's a requirement to speak English there's a yeah. requirement to be an English speaker but then we have these little things when the English has an accent attached to it we have an issue we assume that person is not smart yeah when the English is not you know up to par in a way that we want that Canadians want it to be we have a problem with it when exactly. that person when that English speaker is not coming from they, they were not born in Canada we have a problem with it when the English speaker does not have Canadian experience quote-unquote we still have a problem with it so the issue isn't really that we don't the english people are not speaking english the problem is y'all are racist <laughs> exactly um i had a classmate who talked about this out loud in class she's from jamaica mm -hmm. and the only language they really speak in jamaica is the english english and they still put her in esl they put a jamaican in esl yes wow <laughs> They put a Jamaican in ASL. They only speak English in Jamaica. Exactly. Also, I have to say, um, in the Somali communities, I have this one kid. We all call each other like family, you know? Like, she's an elder, so we just call her aunt, uh, auntie or whatever. Um, so basically, she has a son, and her son has uh, speech difficulties. Like, he has a stutter, mm -hmm. and it takes him a long time to say things out loud. Mm -hmm. They put him in ESL. The boy was born and raised in Canada. He doesn't even know Somali. Oh my god! <laughs> so because he 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 stammers. Yeah. But stammer like I. This is the thing that I don't understand. We have like Canada has this system where you know they, Canada prides itself in being a mosaic and you know we're just so multicultural and we just like love everybody and like everybody's just like this a great person but then most industries lack you know representation and common sense yeah <clears throat> because you you talk about because when you really think of what is what is Canadian experience, what does that mean? Mm. 
actually think about it like what does it actually mean it's a form of racism gatekeeping jobs for canadians uh -huh. because you know like because engineering in india is not different from engineering in canada in exactly. fact India has one of the best um, healthcare systems in the world. And yet doctors come here and they can't go back to their practice. They're being told, oh, well, you have to. I, do you know how many Uber drivers I've met who are dentists, uh, opticians, doctors who are doing Uber because they're like, I, I just couldn't. They wanted Canadian experience. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that when they come through immigration, mm -hmm. one of, they get like, they vet for people who have high education, mm -hmm. who have high paying jobs, mm -hmm. who can speak English. But then yeah, they get here. Yeah, exactly. But then they get yeah. here and they still don't have the jobs that you supposedly was a requirement. And then I don't understand. It's like, why even ask if I'm not allowed to, if they're not allowed to, to practice here? Why even ask? Yeah. Well, actually, I know why they ask. They want to make sure that they're get, not getting the, you know, the poor people. <laughs> Do you think that, the, you know, this is something that is done on purpose? Do you think that this is a well thought out plan by the government when they have these rules about gatekeeping Canadian jobs and, and gatekeeping sort of the industries, most industries where, where immigrants can work? You think that of it's course. something that is done on purpose? Of course, Jane. Let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. This whole system, there's nothing that they don't think out. Okay? Mm -hmm. Everything is well planned and is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's not that they didn't think about it. Yeah. They thought about it. And they find really good ways of hiding exactly what they're trying to... Like, they're very good at hiding their racism. Absolutely. In new laws, mm -hmm. new policies mm -hmm. that um, make it impossible for people of color to be treated equally. Yeah. And, and then keeping immigrants, if you look at the, there is a huge discrepancy with the amount of immigrants that are living under the poverty line. Mm. And I think that we, I think Canada does that on purpose because <clears throat> there's no way for a society to function unless for the rich to stay rich, poor people have to exist. Mm, yeah. The, the oppressed have to outnumber those who are rich. That's how people like Jeff Bezos and, and all these people and Walter can stay rich. Um, yes. I want to talk about your experience being an immigrant um, in, in like, you know, going through the different institutions, whether that was school, whether that was work. Um, whether that was, you know, going to the mosque. How yeah. has your experience been? Because there's a there's a there's a connotation that when you are born in Canada, regardless of if being a black person, your life is sub is easier 
or it's easy then yeah uh that you don't face struggles as much as new immigrants face or people that aren't born here what do you can you talk a little bit about your experience with that yeah so um i think that in a sense it is easier when it comes to linguistics um what i have like i have quote unquote no accent mm-hmm. um so that part of it is i would say i'm privileged in that part mm-hmm. um it takes a lot of stigma away from me the fact that i could just i can speak like a canadian right you know but i wear a hijab mm-hmm. and i um, dress modestly the way i dress mm-hmm. it, i automatically get taken as a freshie like i have just came from a muslim country and <clears throat> i i find like a lot of some people they really do are shocked that i like speak english fluently and um that I'm educated and that I have a mind mm-hmm. um and that plays into some phobia and the thought that you know what we view as canadian is white mm-hmm. uh so for me i even though i technically a canadian i never really felt like a quote unquote canadian mm-hmm. uh because when people look at me they don't see me as canadian i'm not what is visioned as canadian mhm and you're so, constantly reminded that <clears throat> i'm up with the messaging that, that you're you don't belong exactly exactly um so that was a big issue and then another thing is having immigrant parents my parents have always had this idea that like we have to put on the good immigrants kind of like a costume of the good immigrant. So yes, like you cannot of, disgrace the immigrants basically. Exactly. Like you have this pressure of representing what an immigrant is. Mhm. And then I remember my mom always tell me like like oh you can't you can't talk bad about Canada. it's people um by its people she means white people um mm. I'm younger she's like you can't talk bad bad about Canada or white people because they allowed you into their country and this is not her fault she really did believe that i had to tell her as i grew up and learned better i had mm-hmm. to like educate her on this but she really did think that this is their country and they did us a huge 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 favor by allowing us to be here so don't judge them let's basically. talk about that before you continue let's yeah. let's let's dissect that so white people under the uh the 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 facade of missionaries right mm-hmm. some so white people sat down and they cuz the first people to colonize i believe were the romans and the romans were really brutal they sat down and they were like okay so you you know the british you guys will go because most of the british went as missionaries 
to yeah. Africa. And then the Dutch, I cannot remember how the Dutch even, the Dutch came with full force to South Africa. They, they are the worst. They, they were the worst of them all. I, I think in my opinion, all, all of them were terrible. But the way yeah. the Dutch entered South Africa and Zimbabwe, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a lot. So you go to yeah. Africa, you strip Africa, not even Africa, you strip these countries or these continents with, of all their resources. And, yeah. and I'm talking about the whites coming from Europe. They come to Canada, they go to America, they go to New Zealand, strip them of everything in their country strip them of their land go to africa strip them of their resources destabilize economies and then they're like okay well we're done here and then they come back to canada or wherever they come back they go back to their original places um and then they turn around and make and say in order to come to our countries you need this, 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 and that. They make a long list. When I was coming, impossible. Yeah, you have to pay out of your out of your ass. Yeah. To get all these required documents to do this to do that. Yeah. Only to get here. <laughs> Only to get here, to constantly be reminded. That you are not, you will never be Canadian. Exactly. You will never be Canadian. We will make sure that we we don't have representation. So you don't even dream of being anywhere near us. We're going to make sure that we white everything up. We're going to make the grocery stores, everything on posters. We're going to make everything white on white. To make uh-huh. sure that you never ever feel that you can ever even come to our level. But yeah. then we're shocked when black people are like, well, or people, people of color are like, well, that's just not for me. That's a white people thing. Uh-huh. We're shocked when people have that sort of belief system. So no, I'm not going to be quote unquote grateful to white people. Exactly. No. I I didn't come to Canada for free. My parents exactly. sold everything so I could come here. My mom, my mom sold her car. She sold her businesses. I didn't come here for free, so nobody's doing me a favor. Exactly. I had to teach my mom that later. But oh, I have to. Uh, I have to say that, like, when I was younger, I was really upset about like. <clears throat> how we would have to be a passive citizen in what I consider to be my own country, right? Because right. at that point, I had not lived, I, I had not left North America, I had not left Canada. Mm-hmm. So I had not seen Africa, I had not seen where my parents came from. So this country, it was all I ever knew. And yet you're being told that you have to suppress yourself so white people exactly. can be comfortable. And it's actually scary that... Um, just a couple of years ago, I would say like maybe seven years ago, mm-hmm. I supported um, ideologies that continue to oppress black and indigenous people in a quest to prove that I am Canadian and show my gratitude right. for allowing my parents to live in this country. 
this this great country of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> but like I thank God every day that I did a lot of unlearning. Yes. Um, that's something yeah. that you know it's inevitable it has to happen because when you are born as a black person um especially if you are a millennial you have yeah. probably learned from your parents terrible ways to to sort of to live you're taught that you know my parents put me in international school because they felt that being taught by by white teachers was yeah. better than having going to a Ugandan school and not um, not by you know not like not something that's their fault but that's how they were taught to believe exactly and so in inevitably you do have to do unlearning and i will admit unlearning is tough and it's uncomfortable it when, really is when you come to the realization of how much the system wants you to fail and how much hard work you know that you're going to have to do just to be seen mm. it's it's hard mm. it's really really tough and and sometimes i'm like it's not that i don't blame people for just being uh passive and complacent but to be honest it's it's easier they say ignorance is bliss it really is yeah you know um the lifespan of of black people is or, or you know is is so low because of all the stress so much stress Jane. i feel like every black person has anxiety mhm whether we we and like to admit it or not we we do like it and it's because every time we do anything we're being harshly judged yeah and we also are not we we also don't know if we're going to get killed. Yeah. And it's it's a That's thought. You you we make jokes about it, you know, but like when black people joke about like not be not calling 911, we'll try to find every single route to avoid calling 911, but because we know that it could cause more harm than good to call the police. Exactly. It's this unspoken you know stress and trauma and and anxiety that we just never ever talk about and i think i laugh so hard when they're like oh if you're feeling unsafe like you know when you're in a crisis and you're they're like oh when you're feeling unsafe but call you can call 911 i was like what is 911 going to do for me <laughs> except for for probably kill me <laughs> oh my god except for probably kill me Um can we talk about the point system in immigration? So you touched a little bit of this, but so for those who yeah. don't know, what is the point system? So the point system is basically in order to come to Canada, you have to uh you basically have to fill out a bunch of crap and then they um give you points and based on your points determine whether or not you're good enough to come to Canada. So, so so these points lot, are like you know so ba- education and the the uh the amount of money you have th- that sort of yeah, points. So they go based on like again education um they go off of um career so like um did you have a job in 
your home country, how much were you making in that home country? Um, they ask you things like, um, like how well do you know English? Right. What's your highest um, education level? Right. Um, they also ask your adaptability level, which I think is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> oh my god. They ask so your adaptability they, level? What does that mean even? So how uh, adaptable are you to new uh, environments? What like, a stupid question. Yeah, like, it's just, it's ridiculous. There's a whole section on that. You get points based on that. Oh, God. So, <sighs> um, so yeah, they vet, they want the brightest, the best, uh, well-educated people. And then when you get here, you're not allowed to practice. You're not going to get the same job, uh, job as what you had back home unless you get quote-unquote canadian experience a western country yeah um and and how many people come from western countries to canada though who are immigrants rare because most people are are leaving for many different reasons but mostly they're like to leave conflict Mm -hmm. to uh financial reasons you know so Mm -hmm. most people who are who are looking for asylum Mm-hmm. Are most people who are fleeing conflict, or they're they're not finding any jobs in their country. Mm-hmm. So it's ridiculous. Let's uh, uh, yeah. So let us talk about that. What is what is the thought process are behind the point system? What is it when you read about it with Canadian immigration? What sense do you get that they're trying to accomplish by having a point system? So they want wealthy people. Mm-hmm. They want um, educated people. Oh, and adapt, like, you can take on Canadian culture, a.k.a. White culture. Uh, white culture. And there's no such thing uh, as white culture. It doesn't even exist because all, we're, all we do, all we know is white culture. That's why white culture isn't a thing. But I think it does exist. I mean, everything we, like you said, it's the culture we live in right now. But that's why we don't acknowledge it, because it is already what we are doing. Do you know what I mean? The reason why we say Somali culture, Ugandan culture, black culture is because we have to say that (laughs) in order to be seen. Why we don't mm-hmm. mention white culture is because that's why that's the the default. Mm. So, but yeah, we we do tell people that they have to not only assimilate. Like it's like it's you don't have a choice by force. You have to. You are forced to integrate into this culture or into this society, and not even for beneficial purposes because you don't benefit you don't benefit from and this is the conversation that i've 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 tried to have with black men that you can date every sally becky karen that you want at the end of the day you will always be black they will never 
white people will never look at people of color as part of them it's never going mm -hmm. to happen you exactly. know and that is how their system is set up um when you but they want you to get as close as possible yeah they want you but but then they'll never actually accept you anyways take yeah. for example um you know in america it doesn't matter which of your parents is as long as somebody slept with a black person you're black whether it was your yeah. mom or that was your dad you are black they do not care you will never be seen as anything but black and that is part of you know that that whole thing of like racism as the moment you mix you're black mm. nobody ever says oh that person's half white they just say black mm. because that is how this this culture is set up and it, it's it's just so weird and like the the point system so okay so you want the thing that is amazing is is Canada prides itself in their multiculturalism. Yeah. Let me tell you. So these law, law, laws are just a fancy of promoting white supremacy and capitalism. Yeah. While disguising it as like fair and just. So our laws always advantage people of color, especially black people. Mm -hmm. So like, I just... It's just, it pisses me off, you know? Because, <laughs> like, is there any justice yeah. in actually, like, is there any justice? That's what what I don't say. understand is why don't we just, I don't know if you remember, and this is why Steve Harper actually lost the election and he got booted out. Steve Harper, um, he had begun to do, he said, if you are a citizen, you can still get deported if you engage in terrorist activity. And obviously, oh, yeah. he, was, he was trying to say, like, oh, all you Muslims are basically terrorists. Because that's, like, when you look at the, the requirements that he's like, oh, I'm trying to stop terrorism. Really? No, Harper. You're trying to keep brown people out of the country, especially brown Muslims. Yeah, I feel Black like that and... was, like, a waking point for a lot of us. Yeah. Because, again, I was affected because I was like, well, they don't need actual proof that I'm a terrorist. They just need to suspect me. Yeah. To be one. And then um, they can send me to, back to, they can send me to Africa. Exactly. And I'm like, to a country I've never lived in. <laughs> and and this was in the wake of a case um, of a, a kid who was born here. Uh, who I think went to join ISIS. That's what they say anyways. Supposedly yeah. went to join ISIS and they were thinking of deport. And I'm like, deporting a child who was born here? And I'm yeah. not saying, and by the way, like I don't want to be mistaken to say that, oh, I, I don't think he deserves jail time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, yeah. he does not deserve to be kicked out of the country. Mm -hmm. Because of, you know, because of his skin. And then he, so Steve Harper wanted to, to impose this law that it, it didn't matter what generation Canadian you were. Basically, if you were black or brown, your citizenship meant nothing. The only citizens that actually 
would have because even you like he was like even people who are born second generation canadians were like we don't care (laughs) you know you you would you would be deported um there was a case in my community a kid who moved to canada when he was two years old um sexually assaulted a homeless woman Mm. and during his hearing during his court hearing the prosecution suggested that since the child since the guy was born here i know i keep calling him a child he's an adult now since because he moved to canada when he was two years old why don't we deport his parents with him that way he will have his parents there because the defense was saying you can't send him back he was two years old when he moved here he's never been back and so the prosecution proposed that okay, fine, let's send the mom and the dad back then. And I couldn't believe it. You want to send two innocent Mm. parents back for something they didn't Mm. even know nothing about? Mm -hmm. And it was this huge, this whole fight, you know, his mom, she's a very hardworking lady, um... You know, like they're they're working people. They they they're hustling. They've, you know, they they they're like. They've all like you know they work so much, but they've never actually made it out. It's like those types of situations, and the fact that if this this lawyer thought, oh yeah, just send the parents back. Who cares? And they have other yeah. children. Yeah. It's it's just amazing to me. But then we, we you know, and, and the one thing that shocks me about, about Canada is that we always make ourselves feel better and be like, oh, well, at least it's not as bad as the U.S. Oh, well, at least, you know, the U.S. is worse. Maybe, but it still exists. Yeah. The problem like, is still there. We have, a long, we have a very long history of not permitting... Uh, immigrants not permitting or slowing it down so for example like in 1885 the head tax that affected the chinese Mm -hmm. um so the chinese workers who came over um to work on the railroad they they're only allowed men and so when they tried to bring over their families Mm -hmm. uh there was a head tax on them so like back Back then, I think $50 was considered a lot of money. Right. So, and then when they saw that how hardworking the Chinese were and that they were actually bringing people in, they made it higher. So. Wow. Yeah. And then there was also the Continuous Journey Act, which affected Indians, particularly the Sikhs. So the Continuous Journey Act was also in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And basically... They made this stupid rule where because um, they traveled through boats, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't want to catch diseases. So they made them, they said, like, only boats that didn't stop were allowed to come to Canada. Oh Can you imagine God. that? What is the chances that a boat from India is not going to stop on port somewhere? But these are the same people who brought tuberculosis to wipe out the natives who didn't want, and they didn't want diseases for themselves. It was just an excuse, Jake. They really didn't care about diseases. They They didn't. That's what I'm saying. 
they they really just wanted Indian to not come to their country, basically. And they didn't want to they don't want to outwardly say, uh, we don't want Indians to come. I wish they would, because that would make all our lives easier. If, exactly. If white people, if like, if we could just be like, listen, all you broke bitches coming, we don't want y'all. Y'all can stay over there. We don't give a shit. We only be want... Like, why, Jane? Why? No, no, no. Like, but at least we'll know. But at least we'll know. We'll have the information. You know, like, if if Canada has straight up in their laws, we don't, if you don't have experience out of Canada, which basically means, you know, because we, we, when we think Canadian, we think white. If you don't have that, uh. sorry, sorry, bitches. Just have it uh. out there in the open so people don't waste their time. Uh. I'm sick and tired of this, like, subtle undertones and like you know like these these like little tiny fine print things that just just come out and admit that you are a racist system and you just don't want people of color to be at the same table as y'all the fact that it takes when you look at black people who, you know, get into, like, you, you see people like Michelle Jean, who is the first black um, secretary general. Yeah. She has, her education is, like, she is highly educated, super well-spoken. When black people get up there, they have to be the extreme best of the best. Exactly. But then you can have bitches like Donald Trump. Donald Trump, who I I honestly the someone who cannot read, yeah, it's amazing. Michelle Obama, the most educated uh, first lady in history in the history of America. But Jay, even if he can't read, he has no sense too. That's what kills me. I'm like, fine, okay, you're a leader. So how come you don't have? A but how come okay. you? How can you get? I'm sorry, but why? Why does an illiterate man? get to be president i feel like you shouldn't be president if you are illiterate at least not president of america if you think that you can inject disinfectant it's it's actually yeah it's it's dangerous if you can't read because you know a lot of these laws are in you they require you to read the laws the policies (laughs) you know i'm not trying to disrespect illiterate people but it's like this is not the job for you. <laughs> it's it's really not. And I don't get why he's illiterate either because he was rich. His family was rich. <clears throat> no, he just wanted the utmost power. I don't think Donald Trump has ever seen the four walls of a classroom. I really don't mm-hmm. think so. His mm. father probably went to that school and is like, bitch, if you don't pass my child you will have me to deal with. I don't think Trump has ever read anything. Yeah. I just I just don't think so. Um and then Jay, let me continue with this nonsense. So yeah. as of now, Canada's processing time is the slowest in Africa, particularly East Africa and Central Africa. The whole of East Africa, that's Somali and Eritrea, um, Sudan, Rwanda and Burundi. They all have one visa office. 
Oh my and god. Only, uh, just one. <laughs> yeah. They're telling us we don't want you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In Uganda, we don't even have a Canadian embassy. Mm. We have to go, not go, but you have to send your stuff to, to uh, Dar es Salaam. Oh my god. And then, if I ever lost my passport, I would have to go to Johannesburg. Oh my god. It's six countries. Do you know how long it takes to get to South Africa? Oh my god. Even going to Kenya is tough enough. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Canada. Uh, mm -mm. Like, I know my cousin who uh, lives in Somalia. He has to come to Kenya to see the Canadian embassy. And I thought, okay, well, it's because of Somalia, but it's actually an issue because like six mm -hmm. countries share one visa office. <laughs> and that was the thing, like when I moved to Canada, let me tell you guys. So my mom started applying for us to come to Canada in 2001. I wasn't able to, so I was issued a visa in 2003. It took three years to be issued a visa. Started when I was 10, no, two years, sorry. I took two years to issue a visa. Mm. We always had to go to Nairobi or send things to Nairobi because we've never had an embassy in, in Uganda. Mm. I remember my last uh, few tests because when you're coming to Canada, you have to do blood tests. You have to do a DNA test to prove that blah, blah, blah. You have to, you have to do all kinds of tests. I had to get a breast screening to make sure I didn't have breast. Keep in mind, I was 12. 12 years old. Me and my brothers, my brother is 15 and 18, had to do all these tests. It was crazy, and then they did an eye test, and then I, I it, of course, because I didn't have good eyesight, they oh. rejected my visa. They said, unless she gets her eye, eyes done, we, we can't do anything. My grandfather runs, gets me glasses. Then they say, okay, oh. we need a urine sample. Oh. I go do the urine test. They're like, oh, she's in her period. When you're done your period, you can come back and do another urine test, and then we'll go from there. So my family, I'm from like a super Christian, born again, you know, evangelical <laughs> type family. Yeah. My aunties were like, this is the devil. The process was so annoying that my aunties were like, this can't be real. This is Satan. Mm. So they started taking me to church. Asha, when I tell you, I had to leave school to go to church. They put our passports in a little basket and they started rebuking demons out of that passport. Oh my God. Yeah, because they couldn't believe that the process was that ridiculous. It had to come from the devil. It had to be the handiwork of Satan. How can these people send you back because you didn't do a urine test? That is Satan. No, it's Canada. It is the exactly. Canadian system. 
Exactly. Then I came back, did the urine test, and then that is when they approved me to come to Canada. Uh. And then you move here. I literally thought I was coming to the land of gold and diamond. Only yep. to move here. We had a we had a one bedroom and we, you know when I moved my parents were well to do in Uganda. I grew up in like had my own room, a compound, gated communities. Um moved to Canada. My I had to share a room with my mom and my brother slept in the living room. Oh. That was my first <laughs> entry into Canada. And I lived in a, you know, a little one bedroom apartment oh. with my mom and my two brothers. Then we moved to the ghetto, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, where all the immigrants moved to, okay? yeah, yeah. I was with my my I was with my people. Um, we had, and then of course my brother, one of my siblings, started getting into, you know, bad company and stuff like that, and that's when we my mom made the horrible decision, the not horrible but the tough decision of of moving away and going to Ajax, mm. but again in like a really tiny townhouse wow. um government housing and it's like this is not you guys made me y- you literally <laughs> i don't even know the amount of testing i had to do just to be good enough to come to canada and this is what you have for me mm. that's what you guys that's it that's all you have like it's 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 amazing so, 1970s, Haitians were targeted and they were removed from, from Canada by the Canadian government. Mass deportation, um, 1,500 of them. Again, 1990s, Jamaicans were the most deported. So, that's another one. And then also, in the 1990s, we had the Somalis come along because we wanted asylum. Yes. Um... And we received, like, nothing when it came to social support and community support. Mm-hmm. Um, we, were, we got nothing. So we were just, okay, you have asylum, and mm-hmm. that's it. So we were just thrown to the dogs, basically. So, yeah, like, um, and then also uh, today, Somali people... Uh, face um, difficulties with family reunification. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, you know how uh, we were all feeling good about the Syrian refugees and like how everybody was like, yay, so the Syrian refugees. Trudeau were, is were the best. So oh my God, he's amazing. He brought the Syrians. Yep, I remember. Yeah, like look at us. We're helping them so much. Those poor, those poor little immigrants. Meanwhile, African asylum seekers, who made up half the world's refugee population, literally mm-hmm. got nothing. We're yeah. told, nah. <laughs> yeah. Black hate is a global thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, oh my God. I, you know this the whole that thing with the the Syrian refugees like 
when I think Trudeau was asked, you know, like about that and he he didn't really have anything to say and a lot of people were like oh well you know like south sudan has been in war for a really long time somalia has been um, in war for a long time um well, liberia and up up until 2003 was in extreme war uh uganda northern uganda joseph Kony. uh there there's so many countries i could go on and on the, the 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 black people that were being murdered in Brazil by the numbers so so many people yeah. um and it's like i just the fact that the liberian war with uh happened when i was and ended when i was 12 years old is uh, crazy and nobody nobody ever thought to do anything to say anything till this day south sudanese uh citizens are dying they've uh, been in war since i was born exactly. i actually have friends who i have friends who grew up in refugee camps in sudan in south sudan uh, they're friends of mine who lived through the genocide who are my age moved to Uganda, you know, during, during the Rwandan genocide. Like, that is crazy. Yeah. I remember um, in kindergarten when the UN said, we are done. Like, we, we cannot do anything for Rwanda anymore. It's a failed state. You guys caused the de destabilization. With your colonization, like it, same thing with um, with with Liberia, same thing with with Sudan. Yeah. But then they come, but then you destabilize them, and then they want to come and seek asylum, and you make their lives a living hell. Well, and exactly. and then oh my God, how dare you not try to assimilate? You know, you come here, and and you you just want to keep eating your food, and you just want to keep speaking your language, and and you know, you just like take what's ours. Well, that's what you did. Exactly. That's what you did. That sounds like you guys. That's you. That is you. That you did that. Exactly. Exactly, Jane. Um, colonial partners, they don't want to take responsibility for stealing and profiting off of uh, colonized people. Um, land, our resources, our labor, our art, our culture. Mm -hmm. They don't want to take responsibility for any of it. They also Anything. make it hard to be truly free. A lot of a lot of our countries, as in like Africans, mm -hmm. um, we have gained our independence, but we're still financially dependent on our colonizers. What independence? That is a myth. The independence yeah, just guess, means that we removed you people from government. That's all that means. Exactly. exactly. And if that's what independence means, okay. <laughs> but that's not independence. The only yeah. country I can say is truly independent is rwanda uh -huh. because rwanda refuses uh aid yeah we're dependent on them still they still own all of our assets yeah to this day it makes them still very wealthy and they're still gaining more wealth from all of these stolen resources 
and 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 colonizers benefit from destabilization that's why you know you people tell yourselves that you go to these countries to fight for the freedom of canadians or whatever you tell yourselves you're going uh-huh. over there to to steal resources that's what you guys are up there to do and uh-huh. to cause mass destruction so that it can, because when there's mass destruction people are too busy fighting that you can steal their stuff you can steal their oil you can steal their gold uh-huh and now libya is a hot ass mess making it easier for these colonizers to go over there and steal oil because again they benefit from this from making societies dysfunctional but if they didn't make black you know if they didn't destabilize black families if they didn't um make mass incarceration a thing then they wouldn't be able to thrive uh-huh. they thrive because black because immigrant communities are for the most part a hot ass mess but uh-huh. let's let's discuss poverty um yes. obviously it's no secret that when you look at you know underserved communities predominantly underserved communities are black and brown people uh-huh um that's not a shock a lot of the people that apply for government housing welfare or dsp tend to uh-huh. be people of color when you look yeah. at minimum wage jobs a lot of the people tend to be people of color of color so yeah. and this is something that is again this is not a this is not something that just you know happened to happen this is something that is well calculated it is a a well design yeah they they literally sit down in a room guys and they they like they make this system the way it is but i want to talk about the the thing with poverty um when i was growing up uh not growing up i i hate saying i grew up in canada cuz i i was already like a a fully developed human when i moved here but uh, i grew i was active in the ugandan community and a lot of us didn't really have much right like uh, most of us were living you know in that same situation um uh, we didn't have much we were all struggling and so i didn't really notice that i obviously noticed the difference between my life in uganda and my life in canada but in terms of like never having money never really having much that was a norm and i didn't notice it until i i you know i got older and i realized oh shit i'm i'm broke <laughs> i'm not i'm not just broke like but i'm poor like i yeah. don't have anything when i started to see how different my community lived uh, my community looked from other communities that's when it all started to make sense do you think that part of the the cycle of poverty is that we are all lumped together so that we all like then poverty i don't want to say poverty becomes comfortable but it becomes the norm and so that uh, keeps poverty going yeah 100% i think the reason why uh especially immigrant families, the reason why 
our education is not valued is so that they can make sure that our parents don't get jobs that pay enough. Mm -hmm. And it's also for the comfort of white people and gated communities so that it's a way to make sure that we never infringe on their areas. Mm -hmm. And it's a way for us, uh, it's a way for them to feel comfortable and almost imagine we're not there. So, <laughs> sounds know? about white, white. So, um, it's not, I think that like, yeah, it's, uh, it's so we don't take their jobs, but it's also because, you know, they don't have to be burdened by us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, but, like and burdened all. by looking at us. Not that exactly. we're going to be in their compounds, you know, talking to them. It's the fact that they don't even want to see us in their neighborhoods. They don't want exactly. to see us in their places of work. Um, you have, I, I, like, you have situations where, like, the, these, um, <clears throat> the welfare system, for example, the way that it's set up uh toronto housing especially when so and correct me if i'm wrong if things have changed but as far as i know if you have government housing and you start making money for example let now let's talk about like welfare when you are on welfare and going to school you get child care yeah when you are on welfare and you stay home, you don't get child care. As if, you know, that even makes sense. But okay. When you're in government housing and you have a job, it starts being your rent geared towards your income, basically. Yeah, 100%. Meaning, the more that you work, the more money comes out of your check, regardless of what your family looks like. Uh, yeah. So, okay, let me tell you, I live in metro housing mm-hmm. um and so um like i said yeah it's like you just said it's geared towards your income and if you have adult children which my mom had mm-hmm. um you have to so basically the application you have to do every year right right and then i have to print out proof that I actually go to school so I'll show them a schedule or something Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to pay for rent basically or I I can pay a lesser amount of rent so like as proof every time so it's like it's a lot of work of the watchful eye yeah so that's what I mean and so there isn't an incentive so that if, if we're talking like Someone, if, if say I'm making $1,000 a week and you yeah. keep taking more out of my check the more I work, why wouldn't I just sit home and not, <laughs> like, if you're yeah. going to take my money, why don't I just sit at home? Why am I struggling and suffering when exactly. I can just suffer and, and not actually work? Like, we, we it's, like, it's almost counterproductive to to have these these sort of like systems and then yes when people do have adult children you you are always watching them you're like hand this in hand this then hand this in hand this like 
like it is a system that is like we're watching you it's crazy and dude, like i can tell you right now most mm -hmm. people don't scam the system i feel like they work very hard to make it sure that you don't scam the system but it's so much work that why would you even like if you're not actually a student like too much work <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like the idea that most immigrants are scamming this that's a lie exactly that's a lie um, there are people who do scam the system yeah but i don't think it's that high because it's actually when you get into like that system of like your worker is always harassing you for you you develop sort of like an anxiety disorder every time it comes ah. due that you literally want to hand it in and i think when it comes to poverty, it's like, <laughs> it's so hard to not be poor. The chances of you making it out of poverty and staying out of poverty are extremely low. Studies show yeah. that the chances of you, you know, getting out of poverty are extremely low, especially if you grew up in poverty. Mm. So, like, I have another example of uh, living in metro housing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, my sister comes to visit us sometimes. My sister is um, in her 30s, and she ha she's married, and she has kids, so she lives in Edmonton. So, she comes over to visit us sometimes, and she stays with us. Mm -hmm. So, my next one of my next-door neighbors is mm -hmm. a very nosy white woman. Oh, and she saw my sister, and she thought, Oh, they're allowing other people to live in the house, right? Oh, so she she literally called the metro housing people on us and harassed us because she believed that my sister was living here, so we have to let them know and all that. So she was basically policing us while also living in government housing, but feeling like exactly. she has the right to to police you exactly same with our car i remember um my sister got a rental and then she thought for some reason we have a parking spot right mm -hmm. she thought that oh we're using other people's parking spot so the whole time that um that my sister was visiting we couldn't even enjoy ourselves properly because she was constantly badgering us about the rules and she's always thinking that we're breaking rules. And I'm like, just worry about you, okay? My sister's only here for a month. Oh Leave us God. alone. <laughs> that's so crazy. Oh. But that's the, um, the perception that they have on of black people. Like, mm -hmm. we're always breaking rules and, you know, mm -hmm. like, we we can't be, like, upstanding citizens like yeah we always have to be up to no good mm -hmm. i mean uh, it's crazy i you know i always like to sort of think of possible solutions but i don't know i don't know that this is ever going to change the system is over a hundred years old the system of racism and yeah. racism has been you know, white people have found a way to add it to everything. You know, it's like a they like there's like a drop of salt. They drop a little bit of racism in everything, in education, 
they make sure that they don't teach you about you you know so you feel yeah. like you're not valued in history there's nobody who was like you in history Exactly. So they don't teach you about that. Not only history, or even when they're when they're teaching about inventors and any anything in school, they don't they don't tell you that there was any black or brown person. It was always white people that did things. Then you go to things like grocery stores and like things as as minimal as minimal as that, like a grocery store, a hair, you know. That you have to go the fact that you have to go to a special store to find food from your country um uh. you have to <laughs> you have to go to a special store to find for a long time before fenty beauty existed and before mac and and sephora started thinking about the blacks you couldn't buy makeup like yeah you could like I, I think like 2013 2014 around there when i was in my early 20s you couldn't you had to go to shoppers drug mart and buy the, the next best thing there was no option for mac and sephora in the way that they there is now and with with fenty Aww. beauty like the kids that are coming up now they will never know the struggle <laughs> that we dealt with when you had to find a color, you had to mix three different foundations to find your color. Yeah. Um, and then we have to go to like special places to find our hair products. And then even when we buy our hair products, you know, Asians are racist towards us while selling our products. <laughs> like, it's like, where can we black in peace? <laughs> where can I be black and not feel any type of way? I don't think right. that place exists. And then we have, and then when you turn on our televisions, you know, you're again reminded that you don't belong. When you go shopping for your clothes, unless you're on Fashion Nova, you're reminded once again, you do not belong. Yeah. And I talked to I talked to my therapist about this. He's he's a white man, <laughs> and I was telling him one one day I walked into his his uh, office and I was like, I am tired of the constant reminder that I'm a foreigner. Exactly. White people are working hard to remind me every day. That the only representation that I get to see is the one that is negative. You know, the one exactly. that is love and hip-hop and, and Housewives of Atlanta or the one where they put my mug shot, me looking like, you know, that's the only representation that I'm good enough for. And then when I do get representation of people that look like me, they're, they're people like Michelle Obama, highly to the max of the max highly educated or Oprah Winfrey they're like so that I can feel like you know what yes I, I Oprah inspires me Michelle Obama inspires me but when will I ever get to that point of Oprah Winfrey exactly you have to be either superhuman or super nothing yeah <laughs> there's no in between but then again I'm not allowed to to be stressed out about it I should be so lucky that my mother exactly. found a country such as Canada. Exactly. I should be exactly. grateful. I should be grateful for the bare minimum. At least I'm on Canadian soil. I don't know. Exactly. 
because yeah you are you know like a visible muslim yeah it's it's you know it's not like like if you look at me you can't tell i'm a christian unless i tell you right yeah um <clears throat> and so i i, I hate like t- to be honest like they, i do have that privilege and even if um, i was to say i was christian people are like oh okay cool because that's like the dominant that's right. the religion of this country basically but then yeah when you're visibly muslim and you're visibly black and you're visibly a woman it's hard man it's hard out here <laughs> yeah and, and also i'm like i feel like for me i feel like i can't complain about it like i feel like because we have this thing where um I kind of sometimes I feel like there's no one to hear me out on it. Yeah. And even though we have like, and I, I'm like, it's ridiculous because there's a lot of Muslim black women, right? Mm-hmm. But like, it's almost like, oh, here she goes again. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, it's, I I feel like it's so damaging to my my mental health absolutely absolutely i i don't even want to pretend that i i know what it's like because i don't and i cannot um imagine what it's like and uh, you know it happens to me too right but not to that magnitude i've never been you know in a situation where someone is like it it has happened like maybe once, but no, I don't deal with that on a daily basis. People giving me dirty looks every time I walk into a room because of how I choose to to live out my faith. Exactly, and and like dang, it's not only what's sad is that it's not only white people who do it. It's no, of course, it's people of color. Dang, it's people of color. I've had. I remember I was walking at Superstore and I was minding my business and mm-hmm. I could not believe that this black lady started screaming across the street at me in Etobicoke. Why? Was, what, what was she saying? Oh, you're going to love terror. I don't know what she was saying, but she was saying something about terrorists. And oh she was like coming towards me and I thought at the time, I was like, oh, she's going to come and beat me. Like, I literally thought, yeah. oh, she's going to hit me. Oh, thank god man. she didn't come anywhere near me because like i don't know the the fear i have is that mm-hmm. like if we were to go on a, in a brawl like she was to hit me i was supposed to hit her back like i don't know if we would come out of it like alive and <laughs> white for a long time white people <clears throat> in america were going on a string of like pulling off um muslim women's hijabs yeah i remember that recently even there was a woman that in america this guy this white guy like but like set try to set her hijab on fire yeah and i was like i and you know it's hard because 
it's all like it's really just Muslim women that are being targeted because mm-hmm. we're the only ones that wear the hijab. And and also like because women are naturally vulnerable, so they're yeah. easier to to reach. And then black women being the most disrespected of them all makes it doubly easy. Um, there exactly. was a, there was a black woman who I was so disappointed. Last year, she, I think the girl is Somali. She's a Somali girl. Um, I, they didn't show her face. Yeah. Anyway, she was she's in a school in Alabama, and a black teacher, black, a black yeah. teacher, pulled off her hijab, and started running her fingers through the girl's hair. She's a little girl. She's like has to be nine or ten. Oh my god. She's um she she does it okay, I'm just estimate because I she was small. So I'm yeah. just assuming she was nine ten there. And she starts the girl you can she, she's covering her face because she's you know, she's been taught that no one is supposed to see her hair. Yeah. Um and you can see that she's upset, she's crying, but she's trying to hold her her face and the teacher just keeps saying, Look at all this great hair. Why are you covering yeah. it? And that video, like, I like, I was just like in tears. I couldn't imagine like the humiliation. Then she's recording her on Snapchat. Obviously, the teacher was was um lost her job. She was fired. Yeah. But it is, it's. I don't want to say I expect white people to be racist, but I'm not. It's it's always hard for me. It's always yeah. a tough pill for me to swallow when black women contribute to the oppression of other black people. Uh-huh. It's like, I actually like, when white people are rac- racist, like, yes, it makes me angry. But uh-huh. there's something that happens when I see black women just being, it's painful. Yeah. I couldn't, but you did that to a child. She just came. She came to school and that she put day. It on Snapchat. Snapchat. Like yeah. She, like she didn't do something wrong. And the caption was like, "Oh, look at all this great hair!" And touching, putting her fingers in the child's hair, inside of the child's hair, like you know, going through it as if, oh my god, I couldn't believe it. I have never done that to any of my friends. I've never put my hand in anyone's hair. Hijab or not. Yeah, and like, it's, it's especially strange that how the tables have turned. Like, because, you know, black people, we don't like our hair being touched. And here she yeah. is doing it to another black person. Who is, the, and what, what, what was even more sickening is the child is crying. Yeah. She's crying. She's like, she's upset. That would have been your, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, let me stop. Yeah. But you didn't. You just kept touching this little girl's hair. And now she's traumatized. Um, And now she's going to have to deal with that. You know, she's oh. going to be an adult who is terrified, wondering who is ever who is going to pull down her hijab and go yeah. through her hair. Yeah. I, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's always going to be those black people in our community who, and it's sad, but they'll just always exist. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's and not it's like not there's like, one or two of them. There's a lot. Yeah. And it's from all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember our last episode, we talked about the Somali issue. Oh, God. <laughs> and Somali people are next Now, that was the... Fu- like, when I read that for the first time, I had... Let me, Asha, when I tell you, I had no idea. To me... I've always been like Somalis, they're East African. It takes, you can take a bus to Somalia from Uganda. Yeah. We have, I went to school with, with um, Somalis. Like it, it was, it's not even something I thought about. Yeah. If, if it was a situation where like, you know, Arabs from Sudan were like, we're not black, don't call us that. That's a whole different issue. But when yeah. I saw that Somalis, I was like, really? When did this one start? <laughs> and then this, I'm not it's black. The, idea, the only black like, people are African Americans. Ah. You know when <laughs> you feel, when you feel special. It is. Special. I had never, ever, ever, I, and I felt, I almost felt stupid because I'm like, I've spent, you know, my whole life around Somalis, and I had no idea this was going on. There's an area in Uganda called Chesenyi where it's like Somali restaurants, Somali food, Somali gym, Somali everything. And I had no idea this was happening. (laughs) It's crazy. I called my friend in Uganda and I I told him, I'm like, yo, because my friend is like, he's Ugandan, right? Yeah. Born of Somali parents, but, you know, born and bred in Uganda. And I was like, yo, did you know this was going on? He's like, yo, yeah. I'm like, really and then he's like he started telling i'm like where was i like where have i been he was like yeah you know it happens here too um and then he told me how they have like the light-skinned somalis girls who are like considered gorgeous and beautiful you know and then he's like they have the the dark-skinned ones i was like oh my god you guys are doing that over there too wow Oh, colorism is a thing, Jane. <laughs> no, but like I didn't think it was that bad. Where like we're also telling people they're not black enough because they're light skinned. I know colorism, oh. but I've never heard of colorism where you tell the person you're not even black. <sighs> That's too much. So you know? we within within ourselves, I can be. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah, Beyonce is not black. And then also tell other black, like, then also tell, like, oh, I'm also not black because I'm African. It's only just the African-Americans. That doesn't make sense. That's stupid. Who even decides these things? Stupidity, honestly. And the thing is, when you think about, like, if we're really going into technicality, like, technically, none of us is black then. Because also... Oh, my God. You know what I, I saw? I forgot to tell you. Oh, my mm. God. So, I've seen this YouTuber. I think I know. Like, we were telling me there was this YouTuber who was telling, who was saying, like, he's not black and all this stuff. And some people are not black. Mm. I think I found him on YouTube. Did you? Yeah. Is I it, was... Is it this, this guy, he's like... And then he's trying to say, like... I was horrified. Oh, not, he's not black. And then... Um, He's not a descendant well, of slavery, and therefore he's not black. Yeah, and then he was saying something like Somalis, Ethiopians, and um, 
other East Africans, like we're from the Cushetic, whatever, and mm-hmm. um, all of this, all of this stuff, and that we should be technically our own race. That's that's like, him. That's him. That is him. Oh my god! I can't believe you found him. That's him. He's like the only. He's like the like the king of stupid. <laughs> yeah you're watching the video and like i don't know i guess for you you were just like another day in the life but my mouth was wide open no because honestly um this whole idea that we should be our own quote-unquote race is not a popular belief in the somali people but like have so, you ever heard that sort of because i had never heard of anything like that before that we were like the Somali are not black. Just no, just like his opinions, like saying that I'm not a descendant of slavery, therefore I'm not black, or we, you know, the only black people, so Somalis are not black. We're Somali, but Somali's not a, it's not a race. Somali isn't Somali like your nationality? It is your nationality. It's your ethnicity, but like. But it's not a race. Like, when you go and sign those forms, you don't put Somali. You put black. Guys, what? You know what killed me about this guy? He's just like, oh, um, like, cliches. We should be our own, um, we should be our own race and all this nonsense. Um, I, I can, I can say, like, the idea that, not descendants from slavery, but Mm -hmm. the idea that, um, and I talked about this in the last one. Mm-hmm. The last uh, episode, I said like the idea that uh, only African Americans and Caribbeans were seen as like black for some mm-hmm. Somalis came from the idea that why would you identify your skin color? So like all of that stuff. So I thought, okay, maybe he's just misled. But then he kept talking, mm-hmm. and I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, okay. But if we're really going into technicality about about who's black, when white people, when you think of the history, when 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 white people decided that black people were black, they meant that black people were dirty, that they were you know dark, and they were just that's what they meant when they get and white yeah. they gave you know white was to mean pure and clean, right? So yeah. yeah. So if we're really going into that, then none of us is black. If we really I go just there. I can't believe that he's out here talking. And he things. has, you know what pained me the most is that he has a platform. If you see the interaction he had on Twitter, I was shocked. Y'all are just mad because he's telling the truth. Y'all are too colonized. I think you're the one who is colonized, bitch. Oh, yeah. That's another thing he said in his video. That, like, oh, why should we take... He was saying something like, we shouldn't... None of us should take... None of, no, no black people, no uh, other people should take uh, the title black and we should make our own thing and, like, all that stuff. But life doesn't work that way, honey. It doesn't. You know what? I wish I could call myself Bonquisha. But guess what? Can't do that. Does Life is and not you know like that. You know what that killed me the most? I I was talking aback when he said Somalis are Caucasian. Oh! <laughs> okay, 
I missed that part. I was on the floor. I was like, oh. He didn't say Somalis are Caucasian. He did. Shit. He really said it with his whole whole mouth. Shit. <laughs> oh. oh my, my God. God. And then I said, that's it. This guy, I take back his Somali card. He's not Somali. He's alien. That is the epitome of stupidity. My God, you have to be the biggest, daftest idiot that ever lived to say that you're Caucasian. Oh my God. And then I was just like, why? First of all, he went on this whole rant about like how we couldn't take Nobody should take um, the title that white people have given us and all this stuff. And then he, in the next breath, he said, Somalis are considered Caucasian. And I was like, where? Where are Somalis considered Caucasian? Where? Listen, I was like, oh my Lord, have mercy. He was going on a rat thing. See the stupidity of it all. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't take titles white people made. And then says... We're considered Caucasian. Oh my fucking oh god! Is that not Caucasian? Is it not a white concoction? <laughs> Doesn't Caucasian mean white? <laughs> oh my god! Help me, Black Jesus! Oh my god! <laughs> this so, is—it's too much. Oh, my head hurts. Black people, why? So, I was thinking, oh my god, this man is crazy. I take back his because black I can't believe, card. I can't believe he's bringing, remember last last um, episode, I said it's pseudoscience. I said it's a bunch of bullshit that white people made up mm-hmm. to make racism okay. Mm-hmm. So, they said... Um, Negroid, Caucasoid, and that bitch ass, you know, he fell right into it. I forgot the, I forgot the Asian one. Um, all of that was just classified to, for racist reasons. Yeah. So why would you even accept and say something like that? Oh my goodness. I didn't know he said that. You know, the video was too much for me. And, you like, I couldn't, I just, you know when you're watching something and you're like, wait, what? Am I, am I in, am I in the world still? Like, what's going on? <sighs> anyway. So, anyway. <sighs> but his platform is not, like, it's not big. I seem like he has, like, a hundred views. Like, there is nothing to be, like... On Twitter, people it was blowing up, so I was like, oh my god. And a lot of people were defending him in the comments, but that Twitter can give you false um, false things. Um, he probably owns half of the people, uh, half of those accounts that liked it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. But, it's probably um, his mom and his family. Uh, and they're defending because you know how Somalis are. No matter what your family says, you gotta defend them. Yeah. <laughs> even if they're oh, gosh, and that's not even helpful. 
but let's no. wrap up before oh, yeah. before we go. We've been talking for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> before we go, um, where do you think immigration in Canada needs? To, not I'm speaking of Canada because you know that's where we know best. We don't really we live yeah. here. Um, but what do you where do you think this conversation needs to go? within our community uh, in a way that is helpful? Um, in our community or? In our community as black people, do, where do you think that this conversation needs to be headed in a way that's meaningful to sort of, because I think like I've always believed that when we talk about things, then it takes away that stigma and people learn more, especially when we learn from each other. So yeah. what where do you think we need to go about this conversation like to, to in a way that's like helpful in a way that we can start advocating and and really making noise about this and saying this is not right Like you said talking about it um highlighting voices of immigrants and mm-hmm. immigrant um uh, experiences mm-hmm. um I also think that it would be very beneficial for whether you're an immigrant mm-hmm. or, you know, you are like third generation Canadian, mm-hmm. but you're a person of color. I think it's important that you uh, don't, you don't do the white man's job for them. Do you know what I mean? By basically, like, having um, negative stereotypes and all of that stuff about um, immigrants, like, and letting people know that, like, accents are not funny. Like, why do you think, and I know a lot of young kids do this, like, they, they put on an accent and they think that they're so funny and, like, all of this stuff. And I'm like... Yeah it's damaging for those young kids that um, do have those accents exactly yeah so like having open dialogue is so important so important especially as you know because black people we we have a culture of you know never really talking about anything i think that we we have to make this normal and it is not a white thing to to critically think. I really encourage black people, don't just take, you know, what you learn in school. Don't take white people's word for it. Go out of your way to learn and unlearn what you've been yeah. taught. Chances are, and, and, you know, I'm still unlearning a lot of things, you know, from like how yeah. I perceive my hair to how I perceive my body to, you know, there are different things that I'm unlearning as I go, but... It's important to chip away at it, um, but it's it's also good to like always think beyond what you're being taught, what you're being shown on television, what you're. It's it's so so important because if you're not careful, you can be socialized to believe a, a bunch of stupid dumb shit that is being exactly. fed to you. Because you have to remember that white media is is relentless in their goal to de to demonize black people that's always exactly. going to be the case that's never going to change and so now the work is for you 
to not demonize yourselves to not exactly. look at each other like you are weapons just like and like asha said don't do the the job of the white man for him exactly and another thing is if you see something wrong if you mm-hmm. see someone mistreating an immigrant right. if you see someone uh mocking and making fun of the way someone talks mm-hmm. you have the responsibility to mm-hmm. say hey you know what shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> Yes, no. and and we all have to do this. and it's uncomfortable like when you have to correct your friends obviously, but yeah. You you got to do it because that's where it starts from. If people feel like they're comfortable with you, you know, and they can talk shit, then you're kind of trash actually. <laughs> so, make sure that people don't like for me when it comes to anti-feminist, anti-black, anti-women talk People know I am not their girl. Mm-mm-mm. They already know Jane is not the avenue for that. Shaming women for... Mm-mm. They just know. And I've created that sort of um, impression because I don't want you to ever think or even entertain the thought that I would ever entertain that type of stuff. Is it hard and are you perceived as aggressive and loud and, and always quarreling? Of course, that's how I'm perceived. But you have to, and, and also that's the other thing I was going to say, like, as a black woman, and I think I've said this before, you will be perceived, unless you're submissive and kiss ass, if you do anything other than that, you are going to be perceived as aggressive and, and loud and, and too and much. Even, even if you are kiss ass, <clears throat> I know I, at one point in my life I was a kiss ass, so, and people still see me as a bitch, so... Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't even matter. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, what what I'm saying is like you will be perceived as those things, but you got to keep going, you got to keep doing, you got to keep speaking truth. You don't have to be an advocate and cuss people out like I do <laughs> everywhere, but in your own families, debunk these things. Tell your mom, mom, you can't say that about Muslims. You can't say that about, you know, black women combat that yeah. sort of talk around you and you know it, it and just knowledge knowledge is power knowledge and also i power. wanted to say if you have the talent of knowing more than one language mm-hmm. if you're able to help a, a person who doesn't speak english mm-hmm. and translate for them do it i've done that before guys it's really yeah it pays well and and do it guys it's good um i did that for a bunch of years um helping with immigrants who had hearings and stuff yeah so it's pretty good like language also if you see a new immigrant like coming to a new country is a lot of work and it's really scary yeah so if you can be that person's first friend, mm-hmm. you know, you know that per- like you've seen that person just come to the country. They don't know much. If you're able to give them some time mm-hmm. to just show them around, be your friend and say, hey, if you need any help, I mm-hmm. am available. Here's my number or something. Because that makes a whole, it makes all of the difference. If you're able to do it, of course. Right. <laughs> my final message is to white people. Um, the reason why immigrants probably speak really good English is because your ancestors colonized them. Um, it's not a miracle that they speak good English. 
it is not the handiwork or the miracle work of God or whoever you believe in that these people, yeah. people speak English. Your ancestors went to these countries, forced them to speak your language. Mm -hmm. um, that is not a badge of honor to speak good English. Um, it is not a, it's nothing, you know, we, we, there was no choice. There was no choice made in that area. So exactly. do better. Um, and also, um, just because someone has a thick accent, a lot of people are very talented writers. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have only ever been educated in English. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. That's why they're. English is very good. And and you don't need to ask that question. You you can just you can actually you don't have to have that information. Yeah. You, you don't have to. But Asha, thank you once again for coming. This was this was good. Um it's um <sighs> we immigration is a it's a layered conversation. Mm -hmm. um and we could just go for days but thank you for coming um and please come back again uh we'll see you guys next week bye bye